1: welcome to the dfs pregame show here on roto grinders i'm jordan cooper aka blender Ed, blender hd you can follow me there on twitter and this is the show where we go over yesterday's slate we look a little bit about today's slate uh go over mostly dfs strategy i answer your questions in the youtube chat you know i love my youtube chat people hit those dummy thumbs for the apple juice i got we i got we got we got a large order from from kroger apparently apparently my wife said that like, she, like, put in the wrong quantities or something. There were substitutions. I, I, I got, like, I got apple juice to last, like, three weeks now. Uh, so, so we shouldn't have a shortage. But you have to keep it cold by hitting those thummy thumbs. thummy thumbs! subscribe scribes And the notification bells, belly bells, right? To know when we go live in the morning. I see all you guys in the, in the YouTube chat. Jupocalypse, Daniel Hutchins, Card Fan, Tony P., Matt Mears, Milo Kaminsky... Jamar Simmons, Alan Alexander, Michael Papadopoulos, Jason Nunn, Dustin Ho, Gerald Miller, right? It's like Romper Room. I'm looking through a little a little mirror. That's, that's for, obviously, I'm, I'm 41. I, 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 I remember that reference, but for some of the younger people, maybe, maybe you don't get the Romper Room reference. Uh, I always wanted to be on Romper Room. It actually recorded in, like, New Jersey. And I, I had some classmates that were on Romper Room when I was in, like, first grade or something. So there, there. I'm, I'm, I'm dropping, drum I'm dropping names now. Right? I had friends that were on Romper Room. Oh my God. Okay. So, uh, so yesterday's slate. Yesterday's slate. What a doozy. The National Blowout Association. That's what we should be calling NBA now. NBA, NBA is ridiculous. Uh, 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 obviously, we had, uh, we had like Oladipo out. We had some news beforehand. We had Oladipo was out. We had uh DeMarcus Cousins is out and now he's he's gone apparently he's released I think they released him today He's going somewhere who knows he'll end up he'll probably end up on the nets or something he's trying to get a ring right so he'll end up on one of those teams and play you know 15 minutes 15 minutes a uh a day but uh we had Tyler Hero was out Right, that that didn't come after lock; they came just before lock. So we had we had that news. Horford was sitting on a back to back. Okay, it's a Memphis stuff going on. Like Clark played, but like Winslow was active, so that changed some things. Obviously, AD was, is going to be out, uh, and then we got the news that uh, Porzingis was going to sit, so that like bumped all of those guys, all all the subsidiary Mavericks up, and then like. Willie Cauley Stein, we expected to start, but it turned out that Powell started with Kleber, so that kind of bumped down uh, Willie Cauley Stein's projection. But for the most part, the construction yesterday was like you played like at least two of Wall, James, uh, LeBron James, and Luka and Luka Doncic. Uh, I can see some builds without Luka, but most likely you played LeBron against uh, against the Wizards, but it opened up uh, more for Hardaway Richardson uh Kleber, Powell, like all, all the Mavericks guys. Uh even Jalen Brunson. I just find it I just find it weird that like Hardaway who didn't start got 30% ownership while the other Mavericks got much less like like Richardson only got 7. So to me to me that was the, that was the weird thing. I think a lot of people uh planned for Hardaway. I mean Hardaway was cheap enough. He was like 4400. I I get it. I mean, yes, he's going to still play on plenty of minutes, even coming off the bench. But I just found it odd. I think people expected Hardaway to start. And, I mean, what would they have run? They would have run Luka, Richardson, Hardaway, Finney-Smith, Cauley-Stein, like that type of lineup. I think that's maybe the lineup that people thought the Mavericks were going to run out, a smaller lineup, and they actually ran out a bigger lineup with Kleber, both Kleber and Powell. So that kind of, like, removed one of the guards from the starting uh, starting lineup, but uh, I mean, Hardaway was uh, there. Were still fine plays. It just uh, the ownership discrepancy between Hardaway, uh, Richardson, and Brunson just seemed didn't seem warranted. I, I mean, Hardaway still projected the best for 4,400. and Richardson had that Q tag. Okay, so so I get it, but they they said that he was probable to play. So I mean, he did, but I, I'd more I'd, I'd more interested in, in Richardson than in Hardaway but especially that ownership difference. I didn't expect it to be 30 to seven. I expected Hardaway to be around 20 and Richardson to be about 15, like some, that type of spread. And in that type of spread, okay. You don't necessarily, okay. You don't have to worry about any type of like ownership leverage in a single game, but when it's 30 to seven, when like, what makes uh, Hardaway any that much different from Jalen Brunson, other than Jalen Brunson was probably a little slightly overpriced in comparison. But also, like, what that did is took down the ownership of guys like Eric Gordon, because the Rockets got blown out. I mean, like, like r- the Rockets were chalky. P.J. Tucker, 22% for four and a half points, right? We talked about it yesterday, right? Oh, P.J. Tucker, uh, Tucker chalk night. How could that possibly go wrong? Well, there you go. It's four and a half points, right? And he's. I mean, it's not like he didn't play. I mean, he didn't play the fourth, but. That's, that's PJ Tucker. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't do anything. right? He rarely ever does anything. And then he didn't even get the, his fourth quarter rotation. So you're just sitting there with four and a half points. So no, I would have avoided that. Uh, and uh, because of the Mavericks value coming out, that also reduced the ownership of guys like Isaiah Roby because uh, Horford was, was sitting. So Roby started, but Roby's already up at a price. He's, he's like 4,900, 5,000 in that range. So like, he's Okay. But, like, not the type of it in value when he was, you know, $3,500 to, uh, to 4000 I actually thought Muscala was – I mean, Muscala proje- actually projected – to me, I think Mascala projected better for his price than Roby at his, his price. So, I mean, I ended up playing Muscala in my cash games because uh, I, I just played the projections. Cash games yesterday weren't that bad. I, I mean, I made some money. We had a big dip uh, on Sunday, right? That's what happens like today with the stock market. There's a big correction going on, right? Big tech sell-off. Well, that's what happened on that's what happened on the 21st. That's what happened on Sunday, right? Look, look at all this green. It goes up and up and up and up and up and up. No, it's gonna come back down. Right? So 21st. Yeah, sweep, big loss. One of the probably the biggest losing day in cash of the season so far. Because now I'm up at bankroll levels where you know you're playing for more money. But then, then okay. DraftKings lost a little, but FanDuel and Yahoo. There you go. Ding, ding, ding. Make about a thousand nine, nine fifty or so. We're still, uh, we're still back up, right? There you go. Buy, uh, buying the dip. That's what you do, right? In the stock market, you buy the dip. So up and up and up. So it's still, uh, you know, over the what well, we're now uh, two months into the season, and almost double, double the money, double the, the initial investment. So that ain't bad. That ain't bad, so hopefully do well tonight. But yeah, but I mean, do you want to play Mike Mescala in cash games? No, I mean that even with the the Mavericks like value, like there wasn't that much value. I mean, I mean, you still I understood Pete having to use PJ Tucker, right? Wendell Carter fifty three hundred in the center spot. I get it. If you were building that construction, but my it it depends on what type of build. Were you playing LeBron and Luka in a Stars and Scrubs build? Or are you playing more balanced with Wall, Nunn, uh, Rudy Gobert, Zach Levine, Jimmy Butler? Because, I mean, that was the contrarian build last night, the balanced build. I think you still could have gotten one of the studs. Obviously, the best combination of them would have been LeBron and no and Fading Wall, right? 40% owned, 28 points in a blowout, Yeah. Luca obviously didn't put up a good game, forty-two points. I mean, the Mavericks did fine, so like the other guys did well, but Luca didn't. He probably needed a Kendrick Nunn. If we take a look at the winning lineup of the excellent eights, it's a single bullet. But look, look how many one-fifty maxers are in here, right? But a single bullet wins by by a large margin, by eight eight point two five points. When when you get David Nwaba right for forty for forty fantasy points, yeah, you're gonna win. It's almost almost kind of weird that David Nawaba was 7% owned, right? But the combination really was the, the overtime game. But you didn't need anyone else other than LeBron and Russell Westbrook, right? 62, 63 points. You get your Dallas guys in. You get Wendell Carter. You get any type of power forward that scored points. That's all you needed from your power forward spot, which is someone that scored points. That was the weakest position yesterday. So Isaiah Roby, there you go. They had Kedrick Nunn for 51 at 26% owned. So it's not, it's not even that low owned of a lineup. But it's the only one. It's like JBC, JBC came in second. Right, he got a lot more leverage. Like this is a much more leveraged lineup. Look at this. Montrez Harrell at 9%. P.J. Washington, 33 points at 2%. Daniel House. Didn't even have LeBron in here. Right, this is, this is a non-LeBron lineup, but it's still it's point two five points lower. What's his other lineup here? So here's a LeBron lineup, but as, as SGA at seven percent. Kobe White had a game forty five points. So you could have gotten there, even with so, so, as long as you didn't have like Wall, you didn't have Tucker. Basically, if you didn't have Rockets that weren't like House or Nawaba that ended up playing the fourth. You you had a, sh- a shot at a good lineup. So, like, even like Cowboys twenty two eighty two, it's like Sterling Brown. There you go. Kenrich Williams, right? Yeah, you only scored 16 points, but like that's all you needed at a power forward spot. Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, Montrose Harrell. Someone that scored any points at power forward. And you had a shot last night. Here's Drew Dinkmeyer. Like Kelly O'Linick. There you go. 18 points. You just needed, you need. If your power forward had a pulse, that's all you needed from that spot. Bradley Beal instead of Russell Westbrook. Okay, so it's the similar type of lineup. Lakers, right? Three Lakers. Bradley Beal, the Wizards. Two Miami guys. Okay, this, this makes sense. Squirrel Patrol right here in ninth place. Much more leverage lineup. House, Brunson, Gobert, yeah. Okay. No, I see, I see these. I mean, it's not lineups that I got, I got to sure, but I get it. I mean, if you were just, if you were heavy on wall, I mean, you had no shot. If you were heavy on PJ Tucker, you probably thought you had no shot before the slate of it starts. So, you know, that, that never goes well. And we take a look at the constructions here that it, it, it all, most of, most of the top players, at least that came in the top like hundred of contests, like build those similar types of constructions. I mean, hard away across the board, I mean, still John Wall, right? Most, 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 most people were over to some extent, not under. LeBron, shock. Eric Gordon busted, but it's not like anyone said, I don't want to play Eric Gordon. Even Like Kleber, I mean, people had plenty of Kleber, and he got injured. Take a look, you know, Dwight Powell, Right. I mean, he didn't score much, but but he's center only. So it makes it a little bit less valuable. Like, you need the power forwards. I mean, it's like, like, take a look at the power forwards on this slate. Power forward. You had to fill your power forward spot. You had P.J. Tucker, Isaiah Roby, Kelly Olynyk, Maxi Kleber. We're still not mentioning anyone that hit, hit, hit 20 points yet. Royce O'Neal. Oh, Royce O'Neal. Okay, there you go. 26 points from Royce O'Neal. Daniel House. Okay, I guess he fits. Gordon Hayward. But, I mean, for his price, 34 points isn't all that, that great. Thad Young, probably the same thing. DFS, Dory Finnis-Smith, oh, 18 points. Okay. Like, can he get 18 points from your power forward? I think I think that's all you needed. Baisley, I mean, he was expensive. DJJ, Covington, Crowder. I mean, these are all, like, not many not many power forwards scored more than than 20 points. Patrick Williams. And now we're getting down into, like, Brandon Clark, like into the four percent, three percent range. I mean, Kuzma, sure, but on DraftKings, he what? 60, I'm not paying 6,700 for Kuzma. Right, as long as long as, you, as long as you had a pulsed power forward, I think you, you you were fine in that spot. You didn't have to pay up. You didn't have to get seven x value or anything. Just the nature of the lineup construction. So it's probably worth it to punt. Maybe not punt with PJ Tucker, but I mean. I mean, yeah, yeah, you're right. He could have gotten 18 for right. If he gets 18 points, he's he's fine. But four and a half points, I don't. You, you, you probably you're probably not winning with four and a half points. But when PJ Chuck and Tucker's chalk, that's that's when that's when maybe you're making less lineups with PJ Tucker in it. Right? That's what I would see. 22 percent PJ Tucker on a on a decently enough size slate, six game slate. Like I'd rather I'd rather take a shot on and I'd rather take a shot on anyone else. Because the ownership disparity is not is twenty two percent PJ Tucker. I could find, I could find guys that I could take a shot with down here, right? Iggy, right? I played Iggy in cash, four percent on eighteen points. I mean, like, what's the difference between Iggy and PJ Tucker? Other than minutes, obviously, but PJ Tucker does nothing with his minutes. So as long as you had some, something alive in your power forward spot. Like you were fine. So let's take a look through some of the YouTube chat here. YouTube chat. Let's see. Hit that thumbs up button. Give me the thummy thumbs. And uh, and say hello and g- give, uh, give a shout out in the chat to it, uh, Devin's, Devin's not working today. It's Eli. Eli's doing the producing. So if I look weird, if I'm cut off. If the sound screwed up, it's his fault, okay? So don't don't blame Devin. He's probably doing you probably didn't even notice, right? That's how good of a job Eli's doing. He probably didn't notice. I I don't even know what's on the screen now. I could be I could be blue, people could be talking about stuff. Maybe no one could hear me. Who knows? But I'm assuming I'm looking at the chat, no one's mentioning anything, so you don't even notice. That means he's doing a good job. Let's see. Brandon Stinson says, Good morning, Blender. Do you ever play ten percent over your bankroll, or do you keep it steady no matter what? No, I have ten percent. I play ten percent according to that, this spreadsheet. Like this is ten percent of a starting bankroll of twenty thousand. That's not my actual bankroll. It's my bankroll for this spreadsheet for cash games. So 20,000 20, 20, represents ten percent of my bankroll in total. And then I'm playing ten percent of that. So technically, I'm playing. I started with playing one percent in cash games. It depends on your risk. It depends on your risk tolerance, and it depends on what your edge is. And really, that's what it is. I mean, if you don't have an edge, if you if you're in, if you're not a profitable player, if you're a minus EV player, like there's no percentage that's going to matter. The higher percentage means the more the, the the quicker you'll lose. The lower percentage means the slower you lose, but you still end up losing. But for the purposes of NBA cash games, I'm playing 10% of whatever this number is up here. So I started with 20,000. And I play across three sites in a diversified manner. But my allocation from site to site depends on how much edge I think I have on that site, on that slate. So it's obviously been teetered much more towards FanDuel then draftkings in the beginning it was more to draftkings than fanduel When i look at rota tracker and i see you know i'm able to play lower stakes contests on fanduel because i never played that much volume on fanduel over the past 5 plus years so i'm not restricted from them draftkings i am i can't play i can't play the $1 to $3 contests on draftkings so why not i take advantage of it so if I'm going to have, uh, if I'm going to play 3,900 or whatever a volume tonight, that's going to tilt a lot towards FanDuel. I'm going to max out the one, $2, 100 man, 50 man, 50 50s and all that type of stuff. That's what shows the highest ROI. So that's where I want to, that's where, where I want to deploy my capital. More of my capital. I play a lot more head to heads on DraftKings than I do on FanDuel because of the, the limiter. FanDuel, you post... You post. Oh, I'm going to post ten head to heads at each level, and so someone will come by for no apparent reason and take every one of them. Which I don't. It's not like it. I it matters in the long run, but like, dude, like I want. I want as diverse. I want diversity. It's like, dude, you didn't have to take them all. Like, what was the point of that? Even if I beat them, right? A lot of times, that's what ends up happening. Someone scoops, scoops like half half of my head to heads, and then I beat him by fifty points. Like that'll teach him. I don't know what you're doing. On DraftKings, you don't have to worry about that. So I could, I could play more head-to-heads. I could limit it to one and get as much diversity as I can. Even if I'm playing sharper players. But I mean, at least I'm playing different ones. Not one for $500 worth of the volume. But the percentage comes into how much edge do you think you have? Do you have? Can you prove to some extent? And what your risk tolerance is? So in certain sports, I I play for more money. Certain sports, I don't. Certain types of slates, I do. And certain types of slates, I don't. The variance on smaller slates is higher. So I tend to lean towards lower end, not risking as much. Larger slates, more options, less variance. I don't mind putting in more. Soccer DFS, I have no problem playing pretty much any volume within reason in soccer. I would consider that to be my best sport, the longest, most experienced sport. But like you know, we're talking about you know random base a uh, baseball slate or something like that. Like no, not because I'm bad at baseball, but there's b- baseball's high variance. So I mean, really, it depends on what is your edge and what is your risk tolerance. And even if your edge is high, if your edge is good, your ROI is good. That doesn't mean, oh, I'm going to play 30% of my bankroll every night. I mean, you're probably going to go, bro- a good player would go broke in that scenario. Near broke. Never, you're never technically mathematically ever going to go broke because it's always going to be a percentage. So even when you're down to a $3 bankroll, you're playing 30 cents a slate. I mean, like, is, is it feasible? No, but I mean, technically, technically you never go like absolute broke, but you go you're functionally broke by doing that. So going through the YouTube chat, feel free to type in your questions. It's always, it's always, this is always a free flowing show, right? If you're listening on the podcast, this comes out, this comes out afterwards. I think, I don't even know if Eli need, knows that he has to do that. He has to rip the audio and post the podcast and post on, you could subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast to the Roto Grinders DFS pregame show. And you could listen to this, right? Sometimes I'm showing stuff on the screen and, You can hear me describe it or whatever. But if you want to listen later, if you you miss the show, obviously you could watch it again on YouTube. It's always archived. You could watch it later in the day. Uh, But uh, you could subscribe to the podcast, rate and review it. But I always say hi to the podcast people. And sometimes uh, tons of people listen to the podcast because they, they don't have time at 11 in the morning Eastern to show up and ask the questions. And sometimes they email it in. Sometimes they email me questions, DM me questions. So I mean, but that's why I prioritize the YouTube people here. If you have questions and you show up live, right? You're the priority. You're in front of me. Why not? Let's see. Go through the YouTube chat. So I don't know what we're gonna talk about on today's slate. I mean, what I mean, it's a nine game slate, but but by 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 four thirty, five thirty today, is anything is anything gonna matter? I mean, I've just gotten used to it. Like, was there any point in planning anything at this point? No, there never is, <laughs> right? There never is. Something that's going to be 14 pieces of news that's going to change everything. Fresh Toast Vintage. Why? Would it, what's up with these names? What's up with these SEO names? Can people just use their real names? Fresh Toast Vintage. What is, I don't even understand what that is. What type of business would that be? Username Fresh Toast Vintage. How could it be fresh if it's vintage? Is it toast? What are you selling? What, 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 what type of business? I don't even know if that's good SEO. Fresh, toast, vintage. I don't even know what that means. Explain to me what that means. Well, he says, I'm new at DFS and I listened to you about finding weaker players. And it worked last night with the double ups. Okay. Well, if you're new at DFS, you must have found really, really bad players. Right. It doesn't matter how good you are. Just bet if you're, if you're able to find weaker players than you, you're going to make money. Just hopefully you're not the worst player in the lobby, because then you can't find weaker players. Alan Alexander, you asked a question that I, I don't necessarily understand. Do you think adjusting exposure for most of your players is too much adjustment based on ownership? Based, what I don't I don't understand, even understand what that means. Do you think adjusting exposure? I adjust for whatever I need to adjust. I'm looking to build plus EV lineups. Sometimes that means that sometimes that means having exposures, weird exposures, a lot of exposures or no exposures or nothing. It's just whatever, whatever I need to do to accomplish the lineups that I want. That's what I'll do. Sometimes it's a lot. Sometimes it's not. And that's why it's like settings in lineup HQ don't matter. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes I'm barely doing anything. It's like, nope, these are, these are the types of lineups I want and these are the types of lineups I'm getting. Good, thank you. Upload, we're good. Sometimes I'm fighting, like, oh God, I, I if I want to play this strategy, I got to play 80% P.J. Tucker. Do I want to, I, I could choose to do that. Yes, you're right. Or I could find a way not to do it. That it requires a little bit more work. How do I get, I get less P.J. Tucker and more of this and more of these types of lineups to play those. Johnson Loriano said, should have listened to your no P.J. Tucker advice. I didn't have any advice. I didn't say anything yesterday. I didn't say not to play P.J. Tucker yesterday. I didn't say anything at all. I said, this is what he projects for, and good luck. (laughs) Right? Good good luck. That that, that is his median, yes. But if he's sitting there with four and a half points, don't come crying home to mama. Right? If if this guy's going to be chalked, like, hmm Maybe maybe look elsewhere. Not because I didn't like PJ Tucker, just like take a look at his his range of outcomes. That that's what you get. Okay. Alex Santi asks, I don't MMA. Just curious, five six expensive studs on tonight's nine game Fanduel slate. Yeah, I don't I don't even I don't play GPPs on Fanduel uh, currently at least. But what percentage of your lineups do you allocate to mid range builds? Is there a minimum? Not, that's all slate dependent. That's, that's, there's, there's no way to address that. It really depends on, on what the primary construction that other people are going to use and who are in those constructions. So like yesterday, it was just a matter of how do I find a lineup where I'm not playing P.J. Tucker or something like that. Going through the YouTube chat. Going to be a shorter show today. I got I got something coming up that I got. I got to bounce. I got to bounce early. Also... Also, give a little, uh, little, uh, little less work for for Eli, Eli to do. So it'll be a shorter show today. Answer some questions. Got to take care of some stuff. Let's see. DJ Johnson, yes. Do you ever get annoyed with having to wait for your ten ninety nine from DK like I do from all your all? Your, yes, they still. It's still not It's always they always have the extension. You never get it until the end of February. It's ridiculous. Right. Cause I can't, like, I'm literally just waiting around to do my taxes in order. I need, I need that. I know how, I know how much approximately it's going to be, but I don't want, I don't want to have to not, I don't have to have file an amended return because I'm off by $102 or something like that. I want it to be perfect. So whatever. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that's one, that's a good problem to have though. Right. Right. Oh my God. DraftKings always sends the 1099s late. Like if you, you're getting a 1099 from one of the sites, that means you're like what, top 10% of players that play DFS. Most people don't get 1099s, right? Even if you won, you've won. Oh, I've won a lot of money. And then you dump it all back and you end up at the end of the year, a net loser. So, so consider that to be a good problem. But yes, like at some point, the 1099s will, will be there and I'm able to actually do my damn taxes. Will Grissett says, having too much money left on the table worries me. It worries you. It's hard for me to get used to putting in value players and not worrying about the small cost of the player, but the opportunity to put up points. Well, I mean, in NBA, you're unlikely to be leaving that much money on the table because the scoring is iterative. It's not, it's not event-based. In, in, in baseball, you could have a $2,500 guy hit a home run, I mean, 14 points, and a $6,000 guy get zero. Like, that happens. And hockey and soccer things like that with events, even football, but in basketball, most most of the time you want money. The the salary equals production to, to at least raw points wise. So it's very very unlikely on a on a nine game slate tonight that you're leaving a thousand on the table, right? The only time that you could possibly consider that is that there's so much under so many mispriced players. That they actually project better than the ones that are a thousand dollars more than, me. where the 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 lineup that is fifty eight eight on drafting on FanDuel or forty eight eight on DraftKings actually projects better than putting in a higher p- p- uh, price player, and that actually gives you a lower projection. We see that sometimes. Like imagine on this slate, Giannis and Jokic were both five k or something, right? And then the next thing you know, you're plugging in. Like, there's only so many spots in your lineup. You get to the eighth spot, and it's like, okay, I guess I'm leaving 1200 on the table, but it's actually the best lineup. That doesn't happen that often. So for the most part in NBA, I'm not saying you need to use all of your salary. It always has to be 50000 No, it doesn't. but would be more inclined. Now, obviously, on the, the short slates, two-game slates, showdowns, stuff like that, yeah. Now you have to find a way to be different, so maybe you do leave some salary on the table. But for the most part, don't... Uh, anything... Anything under anything under 500 like uh, don't worry about it. you can leave 400 on the table you can leave 100 on the table you could most likely you're not leaving more than 500. I mean most likely you're spending it all most likely you're most likely in droppings you, you're doing 498 499, 50,000. It's even rare to even be doing 495 most likely. When you're late swapping that, then then sometimes you're leaving the little salary on the table. This guy's out, you you Kawhi's out, and you have him in your lineup, and then there's only two games left. And the in order to make this switch, the best switch leaves you with 1,200 on the table because you are overspent to begin with. Okay, okay, that that that's an understandable situation to be in. But from the beginning of the slate, you're you're probably spending you're probably spending most of most of your salary. If you're leaving 800 on the table in NBA. If you did that like every slate, you're, you're probably you're, it's probably a leak. Probably your EV is going down in general, like not just slight dependence. If you if you only if you spend 49.2 every every slate, you're, you're probably you're probably contributing to the rake in the long run. Let's see, Jonathan Loriano. I'm finding in cash games the lineups are very similar, or they're even the same. Even if I cash, I share winnings with twenty five other players. Any thoughts about changing the most optimal lineup by a player or two? If it's the most optimal lineup, then why not? Why aren't you playing? it? You're playing double ups. Who cares? You don't have to, there's no, it's not a progressively paid out contest. When you share first place in a GPP, you're splitting that. 100,000 a first, 40,000 a second. You tie for first place, you get 70,000, not 100,000. Imagine that, that gets tied again and then tied again and then tied again some progressive payout structured contests being duplicated is negative is negative ev you don't want to be duplicated it cut it cuts it cuts your ev immensely In double ups playing 124 man double up right 100 man 50-50 if you tie with 10 other people from 25th to 35th place you, you're still getting the same amount of money doesn't matter you're not in come in first. Oh, we're all tied for first. Well, you you're still getting the same amount of money. So if that's if that's the optimal lineup over the long run, well who cares? Who cares if you tied? What does it matter? The only time that it would matter, the only time it would start to, it would start to matter if the lineup is duplicated more times than the payout spots. So for instance if you had a hundred, if it's a 100 man 50 50, and you were playing a lineup that's duplicated 65 times, right? Because it's only 50 spots. So if you're playing a $10 50-50 that pays $18, like now, 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 now your EV starts coming down. And At that point, then, then you could go, maybe I could play a lineup that's slightly less optimal, but most likely if you're doing that, you're going to, you'd rather play triple ups or three man's, you're going to have to deal with like lineup trains and, and cash games, and double ups. I mean, it's primarily because people use projections, right? You, you go to road grinders and say, oh, give me the best projected lineup based on median. And that's, I mean, that's theoretically would be in the long run, if you trusted the model, the best cash line, maximizing for median. Doesn't take into account the standard deviation of the players though. So it could be a wild ride doing that. But theoretically, if you played it out a million times, that would be the lineup if you trusted the model. The model was accurate, or not 100 percent accurate. No model is 100 accurate. But that's but but to me, that's the reason why you diversify. So you, you're not just playing one double up contest. You're playing multiple. You're playing head to heads. Playing three mans. You're playing multiple double up sizes: twenty three mans, 124 mans, multiple sites because obviously you may have different players in different sites. So to me, I don't even worry about it. Truthfully, I don't. There are plenty of people that use the roto grinders projections and play the same lineup that I do. Perfectly fine. You could do it if you want. But if you're tied with me and we're tied together, I'm playing the long run. This is, you know, I, I play like it's the stock market. So I'm not worried about people, oh well, but sometimes we split because it's a 20-way tie and we come in, it's not a full double up. So what does that matter? So you'd rather, oh, I'm going to play a worse lineup. So instead of splitting in a double up, I just lose. Like that's essentially what you're saying. I'm going to play, purposely play a worse lineup. If you're going to play a worse lineup and you know you're going to be up against a, a bunch of people playing a similar lineup, play triple ups, play three mans. So when you know that you're going to be different and you're up against you're in a, a a 31 man triple up that pays what not the top 9 if you know that 16 of the entries are going to be the same that gives you leverage that's a leverage opportunity you want to get paid for your leverage i don't want to get double i don't want to double up i want a 3x i want a 5x if i'm going to if i'm going to purposely create a worse lineup That's going to be less than 50 50 against that lineup. I want, I want, I want proper odds for it. So the better way to do that would be in triple ups or three mans, those type contests that you don't just double your money. You get something extra. If you're going to do that. Something I talk about, I talk about that in uh, the theory of uh, daily fantasy sports theory of DFS.com. It's a 15 hour audio masterclass right? It's the entire game theory of DFS. It's any sport. It doesn't matter. It's all the broad general concepts, the details, correlation, leverage, projection, understanding understanding projections. How are they made? It's, it's like a statistics class also. The game objectives. What is a zero-sum game? What is a simultaneous game? Like the actual game theory of DFS. And if you get the concepts, you could apply them to anything. You could just pick up any sport. Oh, I don't know anything about that. As long as you know the nuances of how the players correlate with one another and how the scoring system works, you could apply the same concepts. Different sports have different, different, more priorities, right? Baseball, high correlation. Basketball, no, not much at all. Worried more about projection and leverage. And then you have something like golf where pretty much it's all leverage, right? Medium projections don't matter that much in golf. If you miss the cut, you're done, right? Oh, you win. You get hundred million points or whatever the hell it is. So you can learn all of that theory of DFS.com. Caitlin Todd asks: Is eliminating negative correlation plays enough leverage for GPPs, or do I have to consider additional leverage points, pivots? Well, it depends on the line. You don't have the, There's correlation in NBA is weak. You could, have, you could have played yesterday. You could have played Brunson, Hardaway, and Richardson in the same line. From a common sense perspective, you would have to think that that's negatively correlated. But their prices? Probably doable. Is it a little bit lower of a prob- probability? Probably, yes. But not out of the question. Because correlations in NBA are, are going to be weak. Even, even those types of correlations so you don't necessarily have to eliminate all of them oh this guy can't possibly get there if that guy gets there you do some of that it's up to you the leverage matters on on the on what's the ownership of these players oh, i'm gonna eliminate negative correlations like that and then still play a lineup that has a ownership sum of a million like that so didn't do anything how old are the players in your lineup? If one of those players is 2% owned, then you don't have to worry about it anymore. You're done. Let's go through the YouTube chat. Post any last questions. If you got any last questions. I didn't even talk about today's slate. Is there What's there to talk about? Right? You got Giannis. It seems like we played the slate already. Giannis, Jokic. Who's going to start for the Pistons? It's Dennis Smith Jr. again. Maybe I just withdraw from all of the contests. Right? Are we now projecting Saban Lee? Is Sabin Lee gonna be chalk? Is he gonna start? Well, whoever starts from point guard for uh, for the Pistons, that's gonna that's gonna be you know end in tears, probably. Right? Most likely. Cause then Sabin Lee starts and then Dennis Smith Jr. plays like 32 minutes. That's a, you know, you know that's what's gonna happen. It's gonna be something like that. Let's see. Brandon Verm, how do you factor in communal ownership for small field single entry GPPs compared to large field GPPs? It's the same, it's the same thing. Of course, the, the ownership projections that we have at, at Roto Grinders and typically throughout the industry are based on larger field GPPs. So understand that in smaller field stuff, the chalk tends to get chalkier. So guys, that was thirty percent. That are projecting the large field at thirty five percent owned maybe 50 in single entry GPPs. I and mean, a guy that is 10% owned in large field may only be 5% because all the ownership has to go somewhere. So if you have the ownership here, like these types of players, it starts spreading like this. The, the chalk gets chalkier, And the contrarian players get even more contrarian. The exact figures, I mean, I guess you could run a simulation to kind of get that. But as long as you keep that in mind, that like the communal of ownership is just a guideline. There's no, what's, what number do you use? There's no, there's no number. Every slate, there's going to be different relative value. You don't care about the exact number you care about in, in relation to other lineups. So some slates with, with a lot of chalky players, you may have an ownership sum of 280. Other slates, it may be 140. There's no number. How much below, how much above, it's so all in relation to the other lineups in the continent that you can make. But I know that the chalkier players will be chalkier in single entry tend tend to be at least. Almost always, but it, it, most of the time. It depends on the player. Sometimes you see that, like, it's not like, it's, it's not linear. It's not like, oh, well, it's 20 per- uh, At single entry GPP, those guys are always 20% more owned. Like, no, sometimes it's one over the other. Sometimes you see our, our projected ownership will have uh, one player 30% owned and one guy 25% owned. You go, oh, these guys are going to be like 45 and 50. And it turns out like one is 60% owned and the other one's still only like 25%. Owned. So it's like, oh, okay. Everyone played lineups with this chalk piece, but not as much with that chalk piece. And it could be vice versa. You don't know. You have that, that's the whole point of DFS. Predicting what your opponents are going to do. Going through the YouTube chat. Yaz Army. Yaz, Yaz's Army. Yaz's Army. A, A. Is that what it's supposed to be? Did not realize how player player biased I was until I started using lineup HQ and focused on lineups, not players. And I've had a few sweats in 20 man's recently. 20 man recently in some very bad teams, but much better lineups. Right, there you go. Lineups, not players. Play whoever you want. That's exactly. Do I play this guy? You can play, you can play. There's probably a lineup that's playable with that guy in it. So feel free to play. I don't know what, I don't know. Until so you build the whole lineup. About lineups, not play. And then you see that you're building lineups and you go, I guess I'm playing this guy. Because mathematically he fits in the lineup and I just have to close my eyes and go, I don't, I don't know that this guy is horrible. Right? Either you trust the model or you don't trust the model. There's so many people that they have no problem. Like you can't have it both ways. You can't say, I trust the model and look at like the good, I'm looking at Giannis's projection and Kyrie's projection and, and Embiid's projection and go, okay, I, yeah, definitely. I agree with that. I agree with that. And then look at some like garbage player, right? You go down all the way to the bottom or something and you go like, like Chuma, okay, okay. is 24 minutes and 17 points. And you go, Nope, can't play him. Like, well, what happens if you need a power forward that scores 17 points? And that lineup makes sense with that guy in it. Yeah, but how do you play Chumo Keke? Like, well, then do you trust the model? You don't. He's someone that's meeting at 17 points and fits in power forward. For the lineup that you're making, you need someone that fits you. So you can't have it both ways. Right. Oh, I have, I have a manual quickly, and it's like that doesn't seem like a good idea, right? I don't trust. I don't trust this projection. Then what? You do? But you trust Giannis's projection? It's the same the same math that's going into all of this. So you can't have it both ways. Just because you have a have a personal buy, you look at a name and go, "How do I play that here? Who cares? Close your eyes. So, I showed you a guy 24 minutes and 20 points or whatever for that price. Would you want him in your lineup for that specific lineup? You go, yes, okay. Then who cares what the name is? Who cares? Doug Sellier asks Do you have any insight into, quote, doing enough research and analysis paralysis? At what point do you stop researching? Uh, immediately. What's there to research? Doug, you must be new here. I don't research anything. <laughs> I mean, truthfully what's there to research everything that's anything that is relevant is going to be reflected in the projection model so if it's relevant if it's it's going to be there this guy's in that guy's out starting lineup changes minutes limits or any you know that's going to be it's going to be in there the pace of the game the total the efficiency offensively defensively the matchups the, and all of that stuff that's already in there what so what's there to research what am i what what time am i spending the projection models taking care of that for me i just need to build i just need to now take those outputs right it's it's mashed in all of the basketball stuff and spit out numbers right ranges of outcomes and ownership projections now I have to use those numbers to, okay, I could build it this way. I could build that this way. And it's just basically solving a math problem, a bunch of different ways. That could, and a math problem that could have thousands of answers. that are all viable. Well, which, which, if I'm playing five lineups, well, okay, which five do I want? That, that's it. What, what other research is there? I spend very little time. Most, most top players do spend very little time. Once, the, once you got the model done, well, who cares? You're done. Build lineups. You're good. What's it a research? Right? I don't I don't look at what, 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 what do I be looking at. In the past five games, this guy has done whatever it's anything that's relevant, it'll all be reflected in the projection model. Uh, let's see. Stephen Hodges asks in GPPs, how much are you looking to run back a player or two from the other side of a game on your key players? If it works out, to me that's the tiebreaker, right? If you're going to build a certain line of construction, and, and like for yesterday, like if you're going to play, if you're going to play LeBron Westbrook, if you're going to say I'm going to play Westbrook, well, playing Westbrook with LeBron made sense. But I mean, who else was in that price range? Like Zach Levine or something like that. So the difference between Zach Levine and Russell Westbrook maybe where it wasn't all that different. It was like, oh, well, I could play Zach Levine or like why, why don't you play the at least the guy from the same game as LeBron James? And vice versa, if you're going to play Westbrook and I have to choose between Luca or LeBron, like play LeBron. At least that's somewhat correlative. These are still weak correlations. These same game correlations, both sides of a game, are still very weak. If one, if the if, if one if the other guy projected way better or was owned way less, then who cares? Then then who cares if they're in the same game? But when things are close, like I, I'm more likely to do so than not. So it's not something I would necessarily force in, but it's a it's a tiebreaker to some extent. I'm not necessarily going out of my way. I'm going to build hundred lineups and make sure that these guys are together, and this guy is like this, and that guy, and then make thirty-four groups. You can do it, but it's not the be-all, end-all. It's kind of a it's kind of a tiebreaker. Like if, if I had choice between, it's very close. Like lineups that are within a point of each other. Like if I had to choose between five of them, I'm more likely to take the ones if they're all close enough projected close with the same similar types of ownership take ones that okay at least these two guys there are oh, they're playing opposite each other okay these guys you know, same from the negative correlations of like oh the, those two guys come out for one another that may not be that may limit their ceilings I'll choose a different line doesn't make that line a bad just maybe as a slightly slightly lower ceiling slightly lower upside and I have a choice I've I've other lineups to choose from. Kai Roach says I found my ROI goes up when I don't pay attention and do my lineups in the last 10 minutes. Yeah, what's wrong with that? Now, I don't necessarily just do my lineups in the last 10 minutes. I don't even I don't, I don't pay that much attention until the 5:30 Eastern injury report. Because injuries in, in in NBA, who's going to sit? Change projections so much. What would I be looking up? What would the, what's there to do? Even if I'm building a hundred lineups, like I could build that in. I could build hundred lineups in five minutes, if needed. I'd rather have fifteen to twenty. But what do I have to build now? What am I doing now? I'm going to build. Start building my hundred lineups now. Wait for all the information that you have. And even then, even then, it's it's seven o'clock lock. And we're still waiting on the late game. that, you know, do we have the Kings on tonight's slate? Yeah, we do. Okay, at least they're playing at 7 30. Let's see if Luke Walton lies about it. Crap again. Who's gonna play? Who's not gonna play? That type of stuff. So I mean, with the late games, we got Portland, Denver, and Washington clip. Okay, great. We got clippers, who knows? Paul George, Kawhi, they, they should be both be playing, right? But you never know. So what's the point of making lineups now? Wait. Live your life. Right? You're working out. Come home, 5.30, 6 o'clock. at you sit down. Everything that you'd be looking at is already reflected in the projection model. If you sign up for Roto Grinders Premium. Right? You get you get lineup HQ. You get the projections from the probably the best projection team in the industry. So click on the link in the description of the video. You get ten dollars off your first month. But that's the, I trust that I trust the numbers, and I'm profitable trusting the numbers. Matthew P says those numbers can be flawed. Minutes projections and FPPM for players in certain situations aren't the same for everyone. Yes, that's and that's what that's what the team does. I outsource it. I don't waste my time researching basketball. Plenty of people do and then build horrible lineups. Thank you. Thank you for doing it. Thank you for spending all day trying to figure out if so-and-so is going to play 22 minutes or 26 minutes and whether or not his assist rate is going to go up or down or his rebounds are going to go up and down. And good luck. That I I, I, I think that's tough to do. I could I could probably do that also. But why waste the time when someone that I consider to be better at me at knowing basketball can do it better? And you have access to all and the access to Jimino's model. You have access to five guys in the projection team that know that look at this all day. That's what they that's what their job is. So that that's what I trust. There you go. Build good lineups. I'm trying to be as a fit. I'm trying to make as much money as I can in the least amount of time. Right? Can I maximize? Can I get another 2% by spending eight hours a day doing my own model? Sure, of course I could. Is it worth that? No. So I'm not. <laughs> Pretty easy. Uh, let's see. Go through the YouTube chat some more. People are talking about variance trouble yeah there's tons of variants it doesn't matter you could project someone you're not project when you project minutes you're not projecting like this is what they're going to get that's going to be a middle of a range of minutes so especially with the bench guys and rotation guys right when Powell got announced as a starter like he could have, Powell could play six minutes each half and that's it Willie Coley-Stein could have played 30 minutes. Powell could have played 30 minutes. I mean, it could have been, Kleber could have rotated over and he plays 28 minutes, including minutes at center. It's going to be a lot, it could be a lot of those outcomes. He has like, what's the middle of all of those? What's the, what do, you, what do you think is the middle of that? If he's like, okay, Willie Coley-Stein, 18 minutes and you have to allocate 240 of them. So if you if you disagree with our projections, minute's changing you look and you go I think this guy's I think Dennis Smith Jr like we take a look at Sabinley or Dennis Smith Jr and you go is he going to play 30 and DSJ is going to play 18 or is it going to be more like 28-20 right or 26-22 well then you go in and change it go change the number there and the, the, the points will go up and down so you're more than, you're more than welcome to do that. There are a lot of times I do look, I do, because I, I follow basketball enough that I go through and I go, that's a little aggressive, right? I take a look at the minutes, you know, in certain situations and go, yeah, 32. Uh, yeah. I take a look at the past games. I take a look around the industry. Like 32 is a bit aggressive. 30, okay, I could, I could, I could, I, I could understand 30, but 32, maybe, maybe. Like that, that could happen, maybe on the top, top end. Maybe we shouldn't be projecting that as a median. But then I'll change it. So then you change it. Then you go you go from 32 down to 30, to 31. Or you could, say, or you could just say, YOLO, I just I, maybe I'm not accounting for something and I trust the team that does our projections. Most of the time I do that. In the long run, I think that's going to work out more than that. Maybe on this specific slate, maybe it doesn't work out. But in the long run, I save so much time and so much I, I, so much efficiency by just trusting the people that that's what they do; that's their job. My job is to take the raw numbers that are in line of HQ and build good lines. Same for Jimino's ownership projections; they're never going to be perfect, especially when news throughout the day, six o'clock to six thirty. Three different things happen. And you don't know oh, are people going to jump on this guy? Are they not? how many? And then they and then the, his hamsters have to go to overtime. And they have no idea what's going on. Are people going to go here? Are they going to go there? Is all the ownership going to flood this way? So it's not going to be it's not going to be as accurate in those in those situations. But sometimes you have to you have to think in terms of like okay you know is this guy really going to be twenty two percent owned or more like thirty five percent owned. Just by the sense, you're looking at Twitter, you're, you're listening to shows. Like, no, I think people I think people are going to pay down for P.J. Tucker. Is it going to be 35% down? No, I think maybe we're like 22% down because people don't want to play P.J. Tucker. But the psychological aspects of projecting owner, they don't exist in the model. You have to, there's going to be subjectivity to even ownership because you're dealing with a lot of irrational people that play DFS. Okay. Okay, going through the YouTube chat. People don't have to fight with each other. Mike Diamond says, I feel like if I wait to the last 10 minutes, I end up with 150 high-owned cash lineups, not GPP. Yeah, because you're not building good lineups. You're just pressing an optimize button on a tool. You should never do that. Those are horrible GPP lineups. That's why you need to learn how to build good GPP lineups. You could do so by listening to the theory of DFS.com. It's a a 15 hour audio masterclass. So pick that up. If you enjoy all of these concepts I talk about on the pregame show, you know, every day I'm here every day, answering the questions, answering your questions, reviewing past slates, talking a little bit about uh, that day slate. Right. I think once we get to baseball, I think baseball, I think we could talk a lot more about the day's games. Even then, sometimes pitchers get scratched, right? Sometimes that, we may not have lineups, but at least you you have a sense of what's going on. Basketball, it's almost like, dude, anything I talk about now, six hours from now is not going to matter. MLB, maybe it'll be better. So maybe during MLB season, we'd be talking more about like, oh, strategizing on today's slate. But I'm always here to to, to, to answer your questions. I'm always here. At 11 o'clock in the morning, every weekday, every weekday on the Roto-Grinders YouTube channel. So hit that, hit that subscribe button. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. Hit the thummy thumbs on your way out the door. And I'll see you tomorrow for another edition of the DFS pregame Show here on rotogrinders.com.